Nathaniel. Now that's a pure Jew if I've ever seen one. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Simon the Rock Johnson, or Rocky for short. Most of you probably know me as Peter. Those translators can be so uptight sometimes. But really, uh, Rocky is fine. You're, uh, you're probably wondering what I'm doing here this morning. <laughs> when your elders called me up and told me that they wanted me to, to address kind of a sensitive subject and that they could really use someone with, with my expertise, I was flattered. Then they told me that that subject was failure. Wasn't quite sure what to do with that, but uh, nonetheless, I'm here this morning, and, and if the truth be told, I, I'm probably more qualified to talk about failure than just about anybody. It's not, it's not something I'm proud of, but it uh, is a big part of who I am. I wonder, if, uh, I wonder if failure is a part of who you are. <laughs> who am I kidding? <laughs> we all have a hard enough time living up to our own expectations for ourselves, never mind other people's expectations or God's. And I think, you know, for me, the the problem with failure is it it complicates things, especially relationships. And you know what I'm talking about. Somebody you really care for, somebody you really like comes along, and and you'd love to stop and talk and hang out with them, but you can't overcome this urge to, to hide and go the other way. And why is that? Well, because you failed them. You know, you you messed up, you let them down, so you... You duck and you hide for as long as it takes for them to to forget you screwed up. You know? Anyway. Come to think of it, it's even worse with God, isn't it? Because you can't hide from him, right? He's always there. And I guess the question that we all have is what becomes of failures? You know, what good are we for anybody? What use is a failure to God? Well, how about I, how about I tell you my story and, uh, and you can see what's become of me. Started uh, one morning, my, my, my brother Andrew and I, plus our business partners, uh, James and John, we'd been out on the lake all night trying to fish and come up completely empty. I mean, we didn't catch anything. And we come back in and there's this rabbi and he's talking to a big crowd that's all sprawled out across the beach. And, uh, you know, we pull in, and, and, and Jesus, that's, that's the rabbi's name, he's hoofing it down the, down the dock, wondering if he can use our poop deck as a pulpit. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, putting stuff away, taking care of stuff. There's no skin off my back. Although I can't say it's necessarily good for business when, when half of Capernaum is privy to your dud of a fishing trip. But anyway. Um, so, you know, Jesus finishes up, and he sends everybody home, and he, he walks up to me, he says, hey, Simon. What do you say we take her out in deep water and, and see what happens? And I, bear in mind, I'm exhausted, right? You know, but, but I'm looking at this guy. I'm thinking, okay, number one, I just tried that, okay? And number two, it didn't work. Number three, I just spent the last hour cleaning and mending my nets and putting everything away. And number four, you are a carpenter. What the heck do you know about fishing, you know? Like, I don't go down to your place tell you how to build a chair. You don't come down here and tell me where and when to cast my nets, capiche? You know, I'm about to go ape on this guy, and then my brother Andrew kind of sticks his nose in and settles me down. Well, to make a long story short, that, that, that rabbi, ragamuffin rabbi was right. I mean, at first I wasn't sure what was happening, and then I, I knew that it was a catch. I mean, I just about gave myself a hernia trying to pull that net up. 
when I did, I, I fell down face first into the fish. I mean, I felt like I was one of them, right? Like I, I had just been violently pulled out of my world and, and, and thrown on the, onto, the, onto the deck of a brand new reality like a, like a blazing hot sun was beating down on my neck like, like I couldn't breathe. For the first time in my life, I came face to face with the distinct possibility of complete success. And here's my problem. I was addicted to failure. Now, I know that empty nets aren't going to pay the bills, but failure, failure I understand. Okay? Mediocrity, I can handle mediocrity. Predictability, predictability is my middle name. But this, this miracle, I mean, what do you do with that? I knew that one of us was going to have to leave. Either Jesus was going to have to go and pick on someone else or, or my days as a fisherman were over. So I, I played it safe. I asked Jesus to leave. Except he didn't. He stayed. Finally, he looks at me. He says, Simon, you have nothing to fear. Let's go catch some people. And that was the last day I went fishing for a long, long time. I lived with Jesus for three years, traveling together, doing life together. Didn't take me nearly that long to overcome my addiction to failure. You, know I mean? you can only witness so many miracles before success becomes an acquired taste, you know. So I'm following Jesus, me plus, you know, 11 other guys and Oh, heck, half of Palestine. You know, Jesus, he's curing diseases. He's casting out demons. He's feeding entire villages out of a lunchbox. You know, he's raising people from the dead. I mean, every single day was something else. It was awesome. But even though I wasn't addicted to failure anymore, I, I was still prone to it. My mouth gets me into trouble all the time, as you can probably imagine. You know. You've heard of um, obsessive-compulsive disorder? I suffer from obsessive impulsive disorder, <laughs> foot and mouth disease. You know, it's not pretty. <laughs> you know, I, my my mouth has a way of running several steps ahead of my brain, and when that happens, I, I don't really listen to other people. I don't really take in what other people are saying. There was this time we were in the, we were in Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus was asking us questions. And I I used to love when he did that because let's face it, I was a lot sharper than the other guys. Anyway, so Jesus says, well, well you, who do the crowds say that I am? And I'm like, boom, you know, some people think that you are John the Baptist. Some people think that you're Elijah. There's a whole bunch of people who think you're one of the old school prophets back from the dead. Like I said, I was pretty sharp. But then he asks the second question. He says, yeah, 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 but what about you? Who do you say I am? And believe it or not, I anticipated that question, and I was ready for it. So I pipe up again. I say, you know what, Jesus? I think that you are the king we've all been waiting for. I think that you are the Christ of God. And then it hits me. I'm following the Messiah, the son of the living God. And he chose me. I'm in the inner circle, you see. Jesus is the hottest ticket in Israel. And I am the smartest and most charismatic guy in his entourage. I mean, huh? 
walking away from my boat that day scared the bejeebies out of me. But uh, that was the best career move I could have ever made. I mean, forget fishing. I'm going into politics. <laughs> but then Jesus gets really serious. Kind of quiet. He pulls us all in real close. He says, we're, we're, we're going to head over to the holy city to Jerusalem. I think it's probably about time I tell you fellas what's going to happen when we get there. So I'm like high as a kite, right? I'm thinking like, it's campaign time, baby! But Jesus instead says, uh, when I get to Jerusalem, crowds are going to turn on me. The religious leaders are going to reject me. And the Romans are going to kill me. I, I didn't get it. I mean, Jesus had a good sense of humor and all, but he usually didn't joke around when we were in the huddle, you know? But I figure, you know, a guy like that, he's, he's probably got a lot of stress, you know? Maybe he just needed a little pick-me-up, you know? So first chance I get, I pull Jesus off to the side. I say, Jesus, you know, all, all that stuff you said back there, that's, that's not going to happen to you. You know, I got your back. It's cool, man. You know, if anyone, if, you, if, if anyone even tries to lay a finger on you, I will gut them like a fish, okay? Don't worry. He just starts shaking his head. He looks at me like he's looking right through me. He says, get behind me, Satan. You're a people pleaser, not a God pleaser. And he pulls us all in together again. He says, listen, fellas. If anyone wants to follow me, if anyone wants to go where I'm going, you're going you're gonna to have to expect to be rejected and killed just like me. Well, that's a lot to take in, isn't it? I mean, here I am fantasizing about my fast track to success, and here's Jesus just dumping a bucket of cold water on my head. Now I'm starting to wonder if, if hitching my cart to his wagon was a good idea after all. Now I, I realize that the, my mouth gets the best of me, and yeah, I'm, I'm not the best listener in the world, but there's, there's something deeper going on here. I failed to let God be God. And I, w- I was caught up in the excitement, you know? And Jesus was the, was the man of the hour, and I was his right-hand man. I, I thought that following Jesus was going to be one party, one, one promotion, one, one victory lap after another. I didn't have any room in my theology for a Messiah who tells me to, to, to gird my loins and prepare for the worst. It just didn't make any sense to me. I just had so much invested in Jesus. Couldn't handle all this talk of rejection, suffering. I I wanted Jesus to, to keep gathering crowds, you know, keep performing miracles, keep healing people. I wanted him to build the kingdom right then and there and put a crown on my head. But here he was telling me that If I wanted to really learn how to live, I had to first learn how to die. I kept telling myself, there's no no way Jesus dies. There's no way this whole thing ends like that. I'm a failure. I failed to let God be God. Failed to let Jesus set the agenda. I failed to adjust my expectations to the, to the reality that was unfolding right in front of me. 
And, and then when I, when I finally got on board, I failed him. It was the, it's the night before Jesus died. Judas, one of our own, betrayed him into the hands of the religious bigwigs. Some temple thugs came and arrested Jesus in the middle of the night and marched him off. Now, I had promised Jesus, I will never leave you. No matter what, I will always stand by you. So I followed, you know, at a safe distance. They walked him into the high priest's house. I stayed there in the courtyard, kept my eyes on the door. There was a servant girl there. Had to have been, I don't know, 11, 12 years old. She keeps looking at me. That's freaking me out. And she comes up to me. She says, uh, you're friends with that Nazarene Jesus, aren't you? I said, said, who, me? No, no, no. I panicked. I mean, who who wants to be associated with Israel's most wanted, right? So I walk over by the gate, try to pull myself together. But there she is again. Walks up to me again. This time, she yells loud enough for everybody to hear. You are with him. You're with Jesus the Nazarene. I say, I have no idea what she's talking about. It was murmuring. People everywhere were pointing at me. I didn't want to stay. I didn't want to leave. I didn't like my options. I mean, abandon Jesus or throw my life away. Then another guy walks up to me. He says, you are with them. You're from Galilee. I can tell by your accent. I said, look, I I swear on David's throne. I I don't even know who Jesus is. (laughs) And then the rooster crowed. Just like Jesus predicted. And I lost it. And it's amazing how fast failure can just kind of ooze into despair. I mean, I denied ever even knowing who Jesus was. When the heat got turned up just a little bit, I melted. And then, right or wrong, I just started blaming myself for everything. You know, for not realizing what Judas was up to. For not putting a stop to it for falling asleep when I, when I should have been praying for Jesus, for my stupid pea-brained idea of pulling out a sword and starting to swing in it, you know, for letting them take Jesus away. I mean, I, I left everything to follow Jesus, and then like that, I just threw him away. Have you been there? Have you failed to let God be God? Have you failed to submit to him? You know, maybe you were excited about having a savior to rescue you, but you got a a little prickly when you found out he wanted to be your master too. You didn't want him calling the shots. Have you ever ditched Jesus at the first sign that following him might actually cost you something? Have you ever felt like uh, like maybe you've just blown it one too many times? 
Well, fortunately, my story's not over. They, they did kill Jesus. But on the third day, he rose just like he said he would. And I saw the empty tomb. I saw the risen Christ. <laughs> there was this morning, we, a bunch of us decided to go fishing, you know, for old time's sake. Didn't catch anything, of course. And there's this guy walking up and down the beach, and he calls out to us. He says, hey, you got any fish? I'm like, no. <laughs> he says, well, try throwing the nets on the other side of the boat. And I'm like, okay. You know, I wasn't addicted to failure anymore, so I figure why not, right? Well, you can probably guess what happened. I mean, as I'm dislocating my shoulder trying to pull this net up, John, he's cracking up. And he looks at me and he's like, So I, I cinch my, my belt and dive into the water and swim in the shore as fast as I can. I mean, it was so much like the day I met him. It was like I was meeting him all over again, you know? We fire up some, some coals and have a nice breakfast, and then Jesus pulls me off to the side. He says, Rocky, do you love me? I said, Jesus, you know I love you. He says, Rocky. Rocky, do you love me? I said, yeah. In that moment, all the, all the shame and regret of my having denied him just melted away. And then right there in front of everybody, in front of the whole gang, he says, Rocky, I want you to be in charge of taking care of my followers after I'm gone. Me? Can you believe that? Now, I've, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but I've got to figure I, I did at least two things right. First one's obvious. I left everything and followed Jesus. When the king of glory taps you on the shoulder, you, you don't think twice. Just go. Maybe the second thing's a little less obvious. I don't know. But when, when God gave me a second chance, I took it. God wiped my, my slate clean, and he, he told me that I was still useful to him. Now, as God would have it, here I am this morning in, in a room full of failures. And I guess what I want to say to you is this. God uses failures. Now, I, I don't know what kind of failure you're addicted to. I don't know what kind of failures you're prone to. I, I don't know what, what, what failure has made you wish you could hide from God. I, I, just know that, I just know that failure is boring. I know that failure is forgiven. And I know that our failures won't have the last word. And I know that God is a God of second chances who insists that we are useful to him, not, not on the basis of, of how often we fail or succeed, but on the basis of his ability to forgive and restore. So, take your second chance and run with it. Live 
again.